How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Bills in the lane. Pass intercepted by Miller. Up to Moore. Across the timeline is Moore. Stop and go move. Moore to the rim. It is good! It is good! And the Watsko Center is going wild! It's 55 to 49! 540 to play in the game. The sky is falling, and Leonard Hamilton is going to try to stop it with a timeout. All right, welcome back to the Hurricane Hotline, everybody. Delighted that you are with us. On Monday night, Canes are traveling tomorrow. And we'll play Virginia Tech on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Joining us now, University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Coach, good evening to you. Joe Z, how's everything? Everything is very good. Uh, that comeback on Saturday was better than the comeback of the stock market today. <laughs> <laughs> A good analogy. Uh, what, 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 it was a remarkable game, a remarkable comeback. Uh, I know you got yourself in a, in a tough trench there. How did you get out? Well, Joe, the first thing that surprised me is how um, we were we were very slow getting started and a little out of sync offensively. And when we're not scoring the ball, our defense is normally not very good. So in the at timeouts, I try to make some adjustments at, during the timeout. And the players would go out there, and it was like we didn't have a timeout. It was like they, they either didn't pay attention or they didn't understand. And the chances are, with all that emotion, it was very hard to just focus. Yeah. And the crowd was sensational. The, the students were great. The cheering. They filled up the whole end zone. That's a first in my career here. Yeah. And the crowd was great. They were into it from start to finish. But by halftime, we had had to make so many corrections. And the players were like, hey, what are we doing wrong? I mean, they couldn't figure it out either. And one of the main things was we just missed a few open shots. And when that happens, there's there's a little bit of hesitation. So at halftime, we made the decision that we would go after Florida State and try to pressure them into mistakes. We were going to do it anyway. But we, we wanted to do it right from the second half, right from the opening possession. 
And uh, Florida State, to their credit, was playing great. They did a lot of good things. And it took us a while to start turning them over. And when we did, our defense created offense. And once we started scoring, our defense then became sensational. We held them to 18 points in the second half. But yeah. that, that defense led to very good offense. We scored 41 points in the second half. Um, I wonder, and you mentioned the crowd and the emotion, and for a lot of your guys, I think actually all of them, I was talking with Coach Courtney about it, they have not had that kind of crowd last year because of COVID, but they have not had that kind of boisterous crowd at the Watsco Center. We've had those crowds. Miami's had those crowds. You've had those crowds. But some of the guys on the team have not. And that certainly creates a different emotional state. There's a little bit more anxiousness where the players, not intentionally playing for the crowd, hoping to please them. It's just a natural thing to want to do well for all of those people who came to support us. And the guys did. It just took them 20 minutes to do it. Once it got to the halftime and they could relax and get together and, you know, we could adjust, we started – uh, changing the offense up where the players really understood what we were trying to do. And, and that really helped us. And Isaiah Wong, as he does so often, he, he just caught fire and he made some key baskets. He had a couple of key assists and Charlie Moore, who's just had a sensational year. He made some key plays. Uh, we, we needed a few more guys. You know, I told you our bench, uh, needs to step up a little bit more. You know, we have some very good players coming in off the bench. We got to get more of a contribution from Bensley Joseph, Wooga Poplar, Anthony Walker, and Dan Gack and Rodney Miller. Those are key guys for us moving forward. I want to dive into uh, some of the adjustments you made and some of the strategy in a moment. Uh, but before I forget, I did want to mention this. I saw a quote in the paper yesterday from one of your players, Sam Warrenberg, and I just thought to myself, this is pretty cool because it shows how grateful he is to have the opportunity. And he said, I want to thank our fans for coming out the way they did. And you don't often hear that. I thought it was pretty cool. I did too. And, and uh, our players are grateful. And I hope the fans will stick with us. Just because we lost by a point, we missed one shot at the end that would have won it. Uh, and wouldn't that have been something if the fans got a chance to storm the court? Uh, I would have loved that. Yeah, but yeah. we're going to have more opportunities. We got these, you know, huge games coming up. I've told everybody the ACC regular season is not a sprint; it's a marathon. And we got out of the blocks fast, like you do in a race. You want to be out in front, leading the way. But we have eleven more conference games, two on the road this week. We got to get back on the winning side. I, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, <laughs> inside the ACC, Florida State's won five in a row, six in a row overall, but five straight ACC games, and they still haven't found their way inside the top twenty-five. And if there are twenty-five better than them and twenty-five better than you, uh, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to believe it. Well, I think one of the things about college basketball right now is that there is a lot of parity. 
Oh, I think the ACC is a good example of that. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of very good players. And I think it's true around the country, even at the mid-major level, you have some teams that are very, very good, and you, you got to watch them closely to figure out how good. Um, but, but I think, you know, the, uh, the selection committee and the people who, who uh, rank the teams – they don't get a chance to see everybody. Uh, you know, they've got their own area that they cover. So a lot of it depends on, on the person who's looking and how keen they are on certain things. I think the, the people who are making judgments right now on who should be ranked are looking at the computer rankings instead of looking at the quality of basketball being played. I would agree with that, and I think they just they look at the computer rankings, and some of, some of it is just flat out looking at a at a record rather than maybe also comparing, like you said, the basketball and the talent on the floor. Uh, Florida State. I talked about this with Coach Courtney. They had three seven footers in that game. If you add up their time played, it was more than half the game. How much did the seven footers affect your offense, and really, how much? Uh, how, what, what what were your adjustments? Uh, after what you initially saw from the way they were playing you? Well, the first thing is not only their defense, but they dunked the ball on us. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're three big guys alternating around the basket and were able to get some easy buckets, offensive rebounds. There was a loose ball that one of them picked up and dunked. Another one, a shot missed, and he tipped dunked it. You know, so they contribute offensively as well. But their size, even the last shot of the game for Isaiah, Cam Augusti was in the corner, and he just left Cam Augusti alone to go try to block the shot, and it bothered Isaiah, a guy seven foot. So it, it was, again, their size and length bothers us more than any team we've played so far. Um, I thought, I asked, I thought, I. I guess the ball, uh, there was a play that involved Charlie late in the game. I thought it was going to be an uncontested layup. Uh, the, the ref, Ray Science, blew the whistle. I tried to figure out, well, if Charlie stepped out of bounds, then the shot clock would have reset. If they were out of bounds, the ball would have gone to Miami. I couldn't figure out what his call was. Until today, the best I could come up with is the ball hit him? Yeah. No. Did Coach Courtney tell you? No. Oh, well, I he, he said that you guys. Well, you he, that. He, he said that you guys uh, did discussed it today, and you looked at it. We looked at it over and over again to figure out exactly because that happened with nine seconds to go. Right. Had Charlie been able to just take off, he would have made that layup, and we would have you know, obviously had to defend them to keep them from getting a game winning shot. But what happened is Charlie deflected it and it hit the referee, and he was out of bounds. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's bad luck. Yeah. Well, you know, Charlie is so active. He's so good. And, uh, you know, he was harassing those guys the whole second half. Uh, we just dug ourselves one of those holes that's so big that it's hard to, to not only come back and get it within – the one point, 
but then it's hard to finish because you are so exhausted. We gave up like four offensive rebounds at the end. Yeah, that was and when my sequence. coaches and I looked at it, we just said, "Hey, we had no no gas in the gas tank by then. We had yeah, fought that... so hard to get back that guys were tired, and our bench, if they could have given the guys a little more rest, I think it would have helped. And I think mm-hmm. our our bench, I was on them today, and they had a really good practice. So hopefully they'll be ready for Wednesday night. Yeah, there was uh, there was a play in the first half. I know it caught your attention. Uh, one of your players that came off the bench kind of had the ball stripped away at half court, and I don't know if he if he thought the ball was going to be dead or what. But uh, Worley ended up stripping it, took it in for for a layup that turns out to be a big play. Oh, it was huge, huge. Yeah, uh, yeah our turnovers that led to their easy baskets are something we try to avoid. Joe, we've handled the ball very well. Uh, uh, Florida State had 17 turnovers. I think, what did we have, 10? You ended up with 10 turnovers, yes. So, and still in that category, we're doing well. And we need to keep that up. Uh, we need to uh, do it game in and game out for the remainder of the season. Did the offense start clicking more in the second half? You mentioned the defense, and that led to uh, more open shots that led to Florida State not being a, their their defense was stretched out. They weren't they were not able to set their defense. Well, whenever you make an opponent miss or you force a turnover, it's much harder to get back to get all five guys back because you you just are not set. So what happened is our defense was so much better even when they missed a shot. We didn't turn them over. They missed the shot. If we got the rebound, we were able to push it the length of the court. I don't know if you remember this play, but there was one that uh, uh, Jordan Miller got the defense rebounded, outletted it to Charlie Moore, who rifled it up to Isaiah Wong. Instead of driving to the basket against their big guy, he stepped back and went to the three-point line, made a three, and got fouled. Yes. He, he, he had two four-point plays. Yeah. Uh, so know, that uh, was all because, you know, making them miss and getting the rebound and being able to score before they got back. You talk about a tale of two halves. Uh, you have a tough time in the first half from three-point range, one for 12. They're, they are three for six. In the second half, they go hitless from three-point range. And you shoot your normal uh, 46%, 6 for 13. Yeah. What I've said throughout my career when asked about teams, I said nobody plays the same every night. Players don't shoot the same. They don't make the same decisions. What makes a team great and what is the same thing that what makes a player great, consistency. Consistency, consistency of effort and consistency of execution. And when you have a team and you have an individual, Cam Augusti is a perfect example. He is so consistent. He, and Joe, there were a lot of NBA scouts there on Saturday. Yeah, uh, They were treated to a wild game. Yeah. I think it was 11 that were there. Um, 
the guy that was kind of their X factor this time was polite. He's a tough matchup, isn't he? A lefty, bulky kid at six foot six, and he's older. He's twenty three years old. He's a, he's yeah. an old guy. Yeah, we can do a much better job on him. I was I was disappointed. We we had him trapped one time on the baseline. We we stepped away and let him split the the defense and hit a bank shot. I mean, you know, one of the things is in a situation like Saturday, you have to play great. You, you, you can't just give a token effort or think you can play good and win. And we only played great in the second half. Florida State, they played great in the first half, and they, you know, were just holding on to dear life in the second half because we were coming right at them. And it made for a very exciting game. I'm just disappointed we couldn't finish with a win. Yeah, I'll wrap it up with this. I don't even know if you heard it. You probably did. But, but uh, uh, Coach Cristobal got out there, and he got all fired up. What would you think about that? You know, I didn't know during the game because I was busy <laughs> coaching my team. Yeah. But I was sent a, a video. I don't know if that was on Twitter or not, but someone sent it to me. And I was like, holy mackerel, he's like a cheerleader. <laughs> he was not only not only was he up cheering – he got a microphone and started yeah. barking out directions. You know, it was great. No, it was sensational. And obviously, he's a sensational hire for the University of Miami's football program. And obviously, there were some football recruits there. So for them, that's a great environment. I hope we can have that environment every time Mario and his staff bring in outstanding recruits. Because that only helps everybody. You know, if football does well, we got more money coming in. We got more fans supporting us. Then that helps the men's basketball, women's basketball. Then that carries over to baseball as well. So I'm excited for him and our football program. Uh, Before we take the break, we'll wrap up Florida State with this. Uh, and your response in the post game was online. They showed uh, hurricane uh, basketball and uh, put out the uh, on Twitter on social media uh, part of your speech to your team. But when you when you looked at your guys after the game, there was uh, I know disappointment, but it just seemed like I think I know you well enough that there was uh, a lot of pride with what you saw from your team. You know, Joe. I don't know what was on social media. I don't follow it as closely as fans do. So I, but I do remember what I said, and you're absolutely right. Our guys poured their heart and soul into that game. You know, you don't always play great, but boy, did we, you know, fall behind and step on our own toes and make a lot of mistakes in the first half. Yes. And, and everybody, uh, you know, understands that you do that, there are teams and players that'll quit. They'll give up and they'll just say, not our night. Our guys are not like that. They they felt responsible. They wanted to come back. They needed a, a good message from the coaching staff. I, I felt like, you know, during the second half, we were very, very upbeat, very, very positive. Even when we were down 17, down 12, we were down eight with two minutes to go <laughs> yeah. and still battling like crazy. And then after the game, you, you just, you, you can't just look at winning and losing. 
and think that that's, that's all the game is. If you win, it's great. You lose. Everybody's miserable. One of the things, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but over the years we've always invited people, especially our young fans, to come down to the locker room after the games and, and sign autographs, get posters, you know. COVID, we don't do it anymore. And what I've, what I've always told them is you can come down after we win, but if we lose, nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody's in a good mood. Yeah. And that's very true for me. I, I don't really want to talk to people after a loss. I mean, I'm in a good mood if we win, but I'm miserable. And, and, and I have to talk to the media. I have responsibilities. I talk to my team. But after a game like that, I just go home and watch the, the replay of the game and try to break it down and see how can we improve? How do we get better for the next game? All right. Well, the next game is coming up. That's Virginia Tech. We're going to leave tomorrow for Blacksburg. So we'll talk about uh, the game preps for Virginia Tech in the week ahead, which is Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. We'll take a break here. We'll come back with more of the Hurricane Hotline and University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega right after this. Okay, hour number two of the show with University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Kings will take on Virginia Tech on Wednesday at 7 p.m. in Blacksburg. Coach, the Hokies are going to play tonight against North Carolina at North Carolina. So I, I hope North Carolina gets them good and tired. Did you start uh, Did you start the preparation today, or does that start tomorrow? Oh, no, no. We started today. Okay. Actually, we started yesterday, Joe, as a okay. staff, looking and breaking down uh, Virginia Tech. What people need to understand about Virginia Tech, they were picked in the preseason poll uh, by all the experts, one of the top five teams. And they deserve that because they have two front court players in uh, Kevi Aluma and Justin Mutz that are absolutely dynamite. Uh, Aluma, in my mind, is an NBA player. Uh, Mutz is like the leading rebounder in the league. They, they are just terrific one-two combination. And they can score the ball, they rebound the ball, and, and they're big, strong, athletic guys. Their guard play is a little different than it's been. They've got Storm Murphy, who's a very good, smart point guard who can really shoot. They have Couture, who's a great shooter as well, and Elaine, who's a great shooter. They're outstanding shooters on the perimeter. What Virginia Tech does so well is they keep you on defense and they run a ton of plays. So every time down the floor, like we worked on today with our guys, you got to guard this first play. If they don't score, they throw it back out and run a second play. If they don't score, they run a third play. They've got so many plays to get you off balance because your players will think, oh, we just shut down that play. Well, they just move to the next one. They're the, the one team in the league that hangs on to the ball offensively more than anybody else. Teams like, like uh, – uh, North Carolina State fly the ball up the floor and shoot quick. The Virginia Tech Hokies are the opposite. They bring the ball up and do more of what Virginia has done. Run offense, run offense, run offense, and keep the opponent on defense. And, and he's pretty clever, Mike Young, uh, with those plays, and he's pretty clever with his baseline out-of-bounds plays too, isn't he? He's terrific coach. Uh, he had great success at Wofford. 
He's enjoyed a lot of success at Virginia Tech already. They've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this year in league play, but I think they're very, very capable of going on a run just like Florida, uh, Florida State is doing now. You know, as I mentioned to Coach Courtney, some of these teams are playing games right now. They're kind of like makeup games because uh, they got postponed in December, so it's almost like they're playing every other day. And a, a part of me thought, well, that might be a, a little bit of a disadvantage for a team, but Florida State looked like they were shot out of a cannon. I think these kids just like playing basketball, so the more games, the better. Yeah, they don't have to practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you look like Wake, Wake Forest is, is ahead of Boston College. Right. Yep. And uh, Virginia has jumped on Louisville early. And now, now at 8 o'clock, Carolina and Virginia Tech. And both of those guys are coming off of losses. So, you know, who knows how they'll play. I just know if I'm Virginia Tech, I'm getting ready for North Carolina. It's still North Carolina. And if I'm North Carolina, I've come off of two straight 20-point losses. You know their staff is going to be getting those guys ready to play a great game. I I can't pick winners, Joe, because I just don't know how the players will play on a given night. You just know that those teams are going to play really hard. Yeah, neither can I. I do know this. Virginia Tech, it's not an easy trip. It's not an easy place to play in. Castle Coliseum is one of the more underrated places in the ACC, but it is one of the loudest places. And each of your last two games against them at Castle Coliseum has come down to the last shot. Yeah, two years ago, we won in triple overtime. I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning when the game ended. <laughs> and, and last year, it came down to we had the ball, and Isaiah Wong had a shot at the top of the key to win it, and it, it just rimmed out. Yeah, that's, so that's a, a tough place to go. And then uh, it's a quick turnaround because it's on the road to Georgia Tech on the weekend. And uh, Atlanta's been kind of a tough joint to play in uh, lately. And, you know, Josh Pastner, they're they're going to have a, a plethora of plays to deal with as well, right? Yep. Um, we'll, we'll get back from Virginia Tech 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Then on Thursday, we, we've got to do uh, – a little bit of a walkthrough, but you, you we're not going to have everybody's not going to be well rested from that long trip to Virginia Tech. So we'll practice Friday, but then have to fly to Atlanta Friday as well. So it's a very quick turnaround. And Josh Pastor's team plays a couple of unique defenses, one of which they play a 1 3 1, and they make it kind of very deceptive. And then they play a 1 1 3 which has some very unusual rotations. So last year when we played them at home, they drilled us by 25, probably one of the worst games we've played since I've been here. But then we played them in the tournament, and we figured some things out from the first game, and they ended up you know, uh, winning the ACC tournament. But we had the ball down three with just uh, about 20 seconds to go. So he had a chance to win that game. So hopefully we'll be able to play well at their place this year. How did your uh, players respond uh, coming back to get ready for Virginia Tech? Uh, as you told them, that, I mean, that wasn't the championship on Saturday. We still got a lot of this race left. Oh, I, I thought the practice today was very good. 
the attention to detail was very good. Uh, we played a, a, a two-minute game at the end of practice, and we, we ran a couple of set plays and uh, scored the ball beautifully. Then we reenacted the 8.8 seconds like we did against uh, Florida State. And, Joe, honestly, we still didn't score. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did, did it change? No, we, you know, one of the things is where the ball was inbounded uh, Im- impacted the play. Yeah. Their, their players were able to gang up and force Isaiah to the, to the right side. We were trying to clear that side from him and, and never could. Well, I think there was some, uh, some Robin Williams movie there, uh, coach, where they, they played a, a high school game, they lost, and, you know, they reenacted it a, you know, 20 years later, and then I think they won. But I, I was wondering if you – No, I think it was Adam Sandler. Oh, was it Adam Sandler? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know the movies. I don't know what Robin Williams movie you're talking about. Well, uh, it, it, you're probably right. Probably Adam Sandler, but replayed oh, – uh, my producers tell me the best of times. Is that right? Now yeah, we'll have to look it up. It's we'll the best see. of times the... with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, and that's right. That uh, Kurt Russell oh, lost the big see game, that movie. and Robin I'll Williams to... kind of blew it for him. So they all got back together years later to replay the game. Oh, there I'll we go. I'll have to Google that. I'd like to see that. <laughs> Are those? Is Robin Williams actually playing basketball? No, it's a football. It's a, it's a football it's movie. A football coach, movie. And, and they're both Kurt Russell and Robin oh. Williams are extremely young. I want to say this is like nineteen eighty something. Football. No wonder I didn't see the movie. <laughs> All right, I don't no. know anything about football. I love watching the Miami Hurricanes play at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, hey, I heard yesterday there was a lot of great football playoff games. Well, you guys, your 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 game kind of set the table for the weekend. Uh, all the games were decided pretty much on the uh, – well, they were all decided on the last play, three by field goals. Yesterday's Kansas City-Buffalo game, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. 25 points scored in the final two minutes. Wow. How about that? You talk about going back and forth, Coach, or someone, or no defense. I, I heard someone say, how do you get scored on in 13 seconds when you got to go yeah. the length of the field? Yeah, 13 seconds, Kansas City. Well, they kicked a field goal, but they ran two plays. Uh, they covered, uh, I don't know, 60 yards, 50 or 60 yards in 13 seconds. Tied the game for overtime. Crazy. Against what was supposed to be one of the league's the best defenses. Goal? 45 yards, maybe? 45 yards, something like that? Uh, so it wasn't a 50-yarder. Yeah. Yep, made, made, a, made a great kick at the end, so... Uh, yeah, those games were wild. College basketball uh, was was great over the weekend as well. The rankings have Auburn now. They've climbed up to number one, a Southeast uh, SEC team number one. You think people forget about Gonzaga? You know, in, in, in the uh, preseason or the non-conference season, Gonzaga plays everybody. And then when they get in the conference play, I feel like everybody forgets about them. Yeah, that's an unusual situation because – they're a high major program playing in a mid-major league. Really, them and St. Mary's are uh, one, two in that league forever. I don't know what their standings are now, but when the NCAA tournament comes around, you know Gonzaga's going to be there. They just have too many good players. 
Yeah, that's become that's become a real destination for players, hasn't it? Well, Chet Holgram, he's from Minnesota. <laughs> he's the number one recruit. He goes to Gonzaga out in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never heard of anything like that. They right. normally get guys from from uh, the West, from the Europe. Yeah. But you know, Gonzaga right now and BYU are at the top of the league. St. Mary's is in third. So, you know, you look at Gonzaga, they're fifteen and two. BYU seventeen and four. St. Mary's is fifteen and four. San Francisco's having a great year. They're sixteen and four. But if they played in our league, I guarantee you they'd have losses. That's what I'm saying. Your league, you're going to run in to a great player, a great strategy, a great coach every single night. You're going to run into some some pit of vipers inside the ACC. Well, the perfect example, they played Duke and lost. Yeah. Well, Duke's not undefeated. They've lost twice. And who knows what's going to happen. Maybe they go on a roll and they go undefeated the rest of the season and win the national championship for Coach K. I don't know. But I put our league against those other leagues. Now, I'd love to play Gonzaga or St. Mary's or BYU. I feel like maybe because some of the uh, you know, quote-unquote blue bloods aren't at the top of the ACC. I'm looking at Wake Forest right now. Uh, now, LaRavia is a heck of a player. The kid Williams from Oklahoma is a great player. Uh, we just played Florida State twice. They've got a very deep team. Isaiah Wong is one of the best players in the ACC. He's a he's a great player. I'm not sure that people outside the league are giving some of these guys that maybe they're not the the names that uh, some maybe they're not the most recognizable names from the past. But these are really really good players. Well, those NBA scouts are telling me they love Isaiah. They, they, I got a call the other day about Cam Augusty, and I think Charlie Moore, you know, he's like an Angel Rodriguez. Uh, do you remember Chris Chioza played at Florida? Yeah, sure. He's in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I, I think Charlie Moore is everybody as good as those guys. And by the way, not because they're on your team and came back, but I do believe that this year – has really helped Cam McGusty, the confidence, the smoothness in his game. He made a move the other day uh, attacking from the, I think it was the right side, a nice uh, stop-and-go move, got around his man. The way Isaiah, you could see his determination in the second half. I think this year has really helped with their games. I do too, Joe. I think players need to understand, and I think our guys do, that there is no standing still. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And getting worse doesn't mean that that uh, uh, your skills are getting worse. It means someone else has caught you and passed you. And that's really what happens. The guys who keep working get better. And hopefully, you know, our young guys like Bensley Joseph and Wooga Poplar, Ja'Kai Robinson are learning that, hey, you're good players in high school, but to play in the ACC and to be starters and all-conference caliber players, got to keep getting better. By the way, uh, we have talked about you redshirting Ja'Kai, and I just wanted to let you know I made this observation the other day uh, when I was sitting outside your office. He walked by, and I looked up and I thought to myself, man, that kid's going to get – he's going to keep growing. He's he's going to be – he's going to be a handful. 
Well, Joe, I got to tell you this story. This this will crack you up because it happened today. <laughs> Back a few months ago, we were talking about our roster and guys, how tall they were. So I asked Jakai, hey, Jakai, hey, how tall are you? And he said, um, I'm 6'3". I said, what, 6'3"? I, 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 thought, I thought you were like 6'5". I, I, I think we have you in the program as 6'5". As and uh, he, he said, no, I, I'm really, I'm 6'3". I'm so I'm looking at our 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 thing and it lists them as six four. Yeah, six four two. Because at that time I said to Jakai, listen, okay, if you're six three, I from now on if I ask you how tall you are, you say six four two hundred, okay? <laughs> so he, he must have told the the marketing people or whoever does our roster that I'm I'm six four two hundred. Because that's what he's listed at. So today, he was battling. He was battling Dang Gak for a rebound, and he pushed Dang aside and got the rebound. I got upset with with Dang. I said, "How do you let him push you, get you out of the way? You're like almost seven feet tall, and he's like six three. Hey, hey, uh, Jakai, how tall are you? He goes six four. <laughs> and I said, I thought you told me six three. He said, Yeah, but you told me to say six four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got news for you. In my opinion, unless uh, somebody puts a brick on his head, he's going to be about six six. Well, that'd be great because he plays hard. And there's a lot of a lot of time. I wish we did not redshirt him because I think we could have used him. But I think what's best for his career was to take this year to learn a lot so that next year when Cam is gone, he can step in and fill that role. Well, it's good that he's accepted. Not everybody does. There's an old, you know, when years ago, Major League Baseball players, Major League general managers would always say, uh, guys have to marinate in the minor leagues. You don't want to rush them to the big leagues. And uh, now everybody wants to rush to A-league. Uh, and play right away, but uh, sometimes it just takes a little more time, and that's why I think good for him, and then also, conversely, good for Isaiah and good for Cam. Yeah, of course, and in in Jakai's situation, uh, maybe he wants to get his master's degree in that fifth year, or maybe he wants to slow the undergraduate process down and graduate with his undergraduate degree in five years. You know, every young man is on their own personal journey, and we just want to help them have that journey be the best that it can be. All right, Coach. Uh, wakes up by 20, by the way, against Boston College. And yeah, I, I you'll see be, it. I know you'll be dialed into uh, Virginia Tech in a little while. Uh, appreciate you joining us here tonight. Uh, thanks a lot. I'll see you tomorrow, and uh, excited to go uh, to Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on the Hokies Wednesday night. That should be quite a game. Yeah, Joe, I'm excited to got to keep going. All right, Coach. Great effort on Saturday. Thanks for being with us tonight. Okay. All right, that's uh, University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega with us here on the show. I'll tell you who was there on Saturday. He was right on the baseline. He was excited about it, and that was uh, Ed Williamson 
with his lovely wife, Carol. They were in attendance at Saturday's game, cheering on the Hurricanes. And you can find them every day at the dealership, their state-of-the-art facility, Williamson Buick GMC, easy to find, US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Uh, Before you go, you can check them out uh, online at williamsonautomotivegroup.com. It's the new year. If you're looking for a new adventure, may I suggest the 2022 GMC Canyon with its powerful and innovative features that are engineered and built for all of your adventures to come. Or can I recommend to you the GMC Sierra, which has made top-level engineering and capability the new rule. Or your third choice, the GMC Yukon, which has been coined as the boldest, most impressive Yukon ever. Williamson Buick GMC. Don't miss out right now. They've got great deals for you. You can check them out online at williamsonautomotivegroup.com. You're not going to find service any better you're not going to find service uh, better anywhere, anytime, than at Williamson. Ed Williamson has been, has been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, he is an industry titan when it comes to customer service. Williamson Buick GMC, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.